people want good customer service, good client relations. They want somebody who's responsive. They want people who are genuine. Mm -hmm. They want people who are trustworthy. They want somebody that they can connect with. And I think that being relatable is really important. So storytelling is really important. Like me sharing my story of how I didn't know about syndication you know, I went to a meetup and I just by chance met these guys right. and you know, got to know them. And then I invested as an LP. Like that helps me raise capital from new people because I've been in their position, right? Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host as always, Yona Weiss. So awesome to be here today with Christine Bellish of the Bellish team. The better half, I guess, is here today. How are you doing, (laughs) Christine? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And listen, I definitely feel like I would be partial in agreeing with that. So you'll have to have Danny on and ask him that question. Exactly. We'll have him, we'll have him back another time. Although we have had in the past a few times, some couples come on together, which makes it a really interesting podcast, especially when we do the final four. We do like the newlywed game. So you oh, have to I go out of that. the room and answer it. So we'll see if, we'll, you know, maybe we'll get him back on, on the next time. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's awesome to have you here. For our listeners who don't know who you are, a little context, Christine and her husband, Danny, have been in the real estate game not so long, just a few years, right? Five years or so. And yep. it's been an amazing journey, as I'm sure you'll be able to share with us a little more. Now, you know, moving from multifamily to, you know, just raising private equity and scaling into a net lease fund. I know you've done deals with our good friends, Kenny Wolf, Augustino, Pintas, that just amazing what's happened in the past few years. And I'd just love for you to give a little more background, how you actually got started moving from like a, you know, an advertising executive to going full-time into real estate. Yeah. Well, it's definitely been a journey, (laughs) but you know, the two guys that you mentioned, Kenny and Augustina really have been instrumental in helping me grow and scale in the industry. And I know the name of the podcast is Weiss Advice. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to kick it off right with my first piece of advice, which is partner with experts to scale. That is really the key to my success in this industry. So like you mentioned, yeah, I transitioned from working in the corporate New York City advertising industry. I left my W2 in 2018 to pursue real estate investing full time. And what that looks like over time has changed. So you know, we listened to a lot of podcasts, got involved in bigger pockets, did a lot of research, and we're very gung ho on like small multifamily burrs. Mm-hmm. So that's actually how we got started. In 2019, we bought our first investment property in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is oh. like cool, hip, up and coming beach town. Yeah, I have a good friend um, who owns owns a bunch of properties over there now. Yeah, yeah. So we we got started there. We bought the property for a really great price. It was like, you know, the ugly house on a, on a decent block. And our biggest mistake there really was not partnering with people who had more experience than us. So we took, you know, our life savings from our corporate jobs and dumped it into this project that was a passion project for us. We were gung ho. We were super excited. 
you know, we were proud that we moved out of the paralysis analysis phase (laughs) with, you know, running the numbers and running the numbers and running the numbers. But that turned out to be a nightmare project for us, truthfully, (laughs) which I feel like a lot of people in our first projects will say the same thing. But it was a hundred year old house and it needed a complete gut renovation, which I would definitely not recommend as anybody's first, (laughs) anybody's first project, especially if you're not very handy like me and Danny, not handy. On paper, let's fast forward on paper, it's a good investment today. But we, you know, it took us nine months to to finish the project. We had a nightmare contractor. We went way over budget. We were in way over our head. And at the end, we just looked at each other. We did successfully burn it. We took out a significant amount of the capital that we put into it. We like I said, we still own it today. It is cash flowing well. Our equity has increased substantially, but the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it, <laughs> it just was more than what we could have expected. Yeah. And we were just like, why did I leave my corporate job where I was doing well, <laughs> you know, to try to pursue a life of less stress? And now I'm doing something that I'm really not very good at. I'm totally new to, and it's a ton of stress Yeah. in a different way. <laughs> so we actually went to a meetup in Manhattan. And that's where we met Kenny and Augustino. Oh, so funny. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, it was a meetup that was about buying multifamily properties out of state and it ended up being about syndication, but that's not what we went with the intention of hearing about. We thought they were going to be talking about buying, you know, duplexes or quads in just more affordable landlord friendly states, lower taxes, but it ended up being about syndication and when we heard about it, we were just like, wow, like one, we need to get to know these guys more. <laughs> and two, like, what is syndication? It sounds like a scam, but if it works, I need to learn more about it. And honestly, the rest is history from there. So it's we spent time getting yeah, we spent time getting to know them. We invested passively with them and now they're our partners today. That's incredible. And yeah. talking about like, you know, the first thing you started out with, which was find experts, find people who are very experienced partner with them, you know, it's almost like it was like a godsend that you had met them in the first place. I mean, the, Augustino and Kenny both been on the podcast. They're both have known for years. In fact, I posted today on Facebook, like one of those memory thing popped up on Facebook, you know, like today, yeah. like four years ago that me and Kenny did a webinar together. Oh. And it was just like, wow, this was like really, you know, that was when I was doing like weekly webinars, a really fun time. Yeah. And just to see how people like that have scaled and also been able to bring along other people with them. But again, yep. guys, if you're listening to this, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't know who that partner may be, but if you don't, you know, go out and meet people, you may never find them. So that's my wise advice for today. Just go out and meet people and go to networking events, go to learn about anything in real estate, because guess what? You may learn something else than you had originally intended to learn about in the first place. And that may be the complete change and transition you need in your life. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. And they're great guys. And I think you made a really great point. You know, it, it really was, it's not just that we met people that were successful that we looked up to, but it was that we were, these people were willing to get to know us and to take the time and to take a chance on us. And I mean, we worked our butts off to earn that trust and respect, of course, but listen, like it's, they have spent a long time, much longer than us in this industry, building great reputations for themselves. So Mm -hmm. they don't take their partnerships lightly. So truly like we're honored to be in great company with them. 
hundred percent. That's awesome. Yeah. Now I want to go back to something you said, like when you were working that first deal in Asbury Park, which at the time seemed like it was probably a nightmare. And I can attest to having done some fix and flips and it was just a nightmare for me also, you know, you find out like, that's not what you're good at. I mean, in, and going back to something you said, just kind of triggered something when you said, like, you ask yourself, like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we involved in like this gut renovation of a project? If number one, our skills are not in this area whatsoever, but there was something that was driving you, obviously, from maybe bigger pockets or wherever you found that there was something about real estate investing that had something there that w- was pushing you to do that. So what was that? And have you found that? Or are you still on the way you know, to find that? Yeah. So what pushed us to pursue real estate investing was really generating passive income. And I think that's what turned us off so much from that first project is that it was not passive (laughs) at all, (laughs) at all in any way, you know, towards the finish line. Like I was digging the footings and mixing the concrete and doing what it took to get it across the finish line because sometimes you got to do it, whatever it takes. But when we learned about syndication and when we ended up investing passively and we had the experience for the first time of being LPs, we understood that this really is a business. And there are business skills that translate from our corporate career that really are more synergistic for us versus you know DIY, hands-on, project management, construction projects. And that's not to say that If we didn't stick with that, I'm sure that we would have gotten better at it and more efficient with it and probably taken on partners and, you know, been able to do it a lot quicker. But I think that we just saw, we almost saw like a cheat code in syndication because Kenny said something that was really pivotal. One of the first conversations that we had with him, because we told him what our aspirations were when we were getting to know him before we decided to invest passively with him. We were like, we want to do this full time. We want to get there, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know how. <laughs> and he was like, I feel like a lot of people start small and you don't have to. It's um, funny you say, because he he's also like, his first deal was like a 70 something unit property. So <laughs> I mean, it's definitely coming from him that he, I can yeah. hear him saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, I think we're still in pursuit of it because my goal would be for us to, you know, generate enough passive income so that Danny can also leave his W2 job, which he hasn't yet. Mm. But syndication takes time. Like it's not a quick flip, you know. We are building up our cash flow. We have increased our equity very significantly especially in, you know, taking on a much larger role and being fund managers ourselves and helping to take the lead more on the acquisition side of things for our net lease fund last year. That was a huge jump for us. Yeah. But yeah, we're definitely still in pursuit of it, but we're moving more in that direction. And I think even with the syndication projects that we're working on (laughs) and the pivots that I had mentioned to you before we actually hopped on the podcast, you know, transitioning somewhat from value add multifamily into the net lease space, that's more passive too, right? So I think everything that we're kind of doing is like moving in a more passive direction, but it's great to get the experience as an active GP right now. Right. And 
like you said, it is a business and there are a lot of skills that transfer from your W-2 to this business of real estate investing. And even as a GP, there's not much passive about that. And this is something you hear a lot. I mean, it's obviously like one of the biggest points of contention on the internet and any of these forums you go to is like, real estate is not passive or whatever. Well, there are certain aspects of it that can be, uh, like mm-hmm. you said, being a limited partner in a syndication is relative is probably the most passive you can get, or like investing in a REIT if you do, if you think that's real estate, which I don't really agree <laughs> that it is. But running a, a syndication is not really passive, meaning you're still you know raising capital, you're still doing due diligence, you're still involved in the acquisition process in so many ways. So I mean, at the same time, while you're building that passive wealth and that you know wealth over time, which doing a bunch of these projects will create. You're still actively involved. I mean, so is this something that you are enjoying at this point still, or is it is it still like that? I don't know why I'm doing this. I just want to be passive. <laughs> I think like any entrepreneur, it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> or you the know? time of the day, right? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. I would say, you know, the short answer is yes. I think that I am enjoying it. I'm enjoying it more than what I was doing in my corporate career. I was really good at what I was doing, but I didn't get any fulfillment out of it. And that was something that was really missing for me. And, you know, another reason why I like syndication is because it's not just about me building my own personal wealth, it's about helping others do that too. And the deals that I work on are open to accredited and non-accredited people. So Mm -hmm. that I feel like is, you know, even opening up the pool even more to help even more people and educate more people about it. Because I know what light bulb like went off in my head when I first learned about it. And I had literally never heard the word, but like I never heard the word before. So I just kind of felt like, why is this a secret? Like, why is this like a club that... Like, how do we get into this club? Yeah. And just like you had not heard of that, most other people, especially if they don't have any involvement in the real estate world, also have never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the amazing thing. You have people that are working their corporate you know, careers and think that all there is, is whatever my you know investment manager or my wealth manager says to put money in the mm-hmm. stock market, mutual funds or whatever. Yeah. And it really is in a lot of ways, like a, a club that people don't know about. It's not. But it seems like that because you've just never heard of it until you do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that's, I think that that's the part that I love about it the most is that, and Danny and I are still new, you know, to the syndication world. Also, we met Kenny and Augustino in 2020, you know, so it's been like three years since then. But if we're thinking about like the length of somebody's career, like we're pretty new into this as a career. And, I just think about everything that I've learned in the past three years being involved in this and Mm -hmm. how many people I've helped, whether they've invested or not in it, just to know that it is an option. I just feel like it gives people more perspective and more opportunity to diversify, which is awesome. For sure. Now, talk to me a little bit about your kind of transitions into these new asset classes. I mean, like you said, you didn't hear about, you know, net fund, net lease funds and, and all kinds of other things. I mean, commercial real estate is huge. And if you're on bigger pockets, you probably all you hear about is single families, fix and flips, burrs, right? The small multifamily, and maybe a little bit about syndications if you kind of dig deep. 
But you don't hear about all these other types of asset classes that are out there and opportunities. I mean, how did you come across and tell me a little bit more about this net lease fund that you've started? Because I'm quite fascinated about it personally, but you know, just I'm sure our listeners are as well. And then maybe touch on just how you're transitioning into finding new types of deals or new types of properties. Totally. So we are fortunate in that our mentors and partners (laughs) blaze the path for us, right? Mm -hmm. So Kenny started in the multifamily space more than a decade ago, and he launched his first net lease fund four or five years ago. And we had invested passively with him in some of his multifamily deals. We GP'd with him on some of some multifamily value add stuff. And it was at the end of, it was like midway through 2021 that Augustino really started talking about it more. And he was just like, Kenny's killing it with this. Like, it's awesome. And like, you don't really have to do that much work. (laughs) Like, you know, and we're in the thick of COVID and, you know, dealing with dealing with all the effects of that as it relates to investing in, you know, apartments. So we were dealing with those challenges, obviously inflation out of control, costs out of control, like labor out of control. And we were just like, how do we combat some of these issues that we're running into in that space? And it really just felt like the net lease space was an answer to some, you know, a solution to some of those problems. So in net lease where the tenant is in most cases, you know, paying for the insurance paying for the taxes, paying for the majority of the maintenance, if not all of it, and CapEx too, a lot of those inflationary issues aren't impacting you, you know, as long as you buy it at the right price, of course, right? Right. You want to make sure that you're getting a good deal. You know, you want to really test out the tenant and believe in the strength of the tenant and that they're going to be staying there for the long term. But that was really what prompted us to start thinking about it. And to me, because I was really not familiar with it very much until, you know, until we started talking about it and learning more about it, I was like, this is boring. Like, I don't know. I was like, this is not exciting to me. Right. And now that I have been a part of it and, you know, had our own funds last year and went through the process of acquiring these properties and seeing the steady cash flow that they throw off. Boring is good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Boring is nice. Boring is reliable. And, you know, in the multifamily space, as much as we believe in the strategies that we're implementing there, it takes time and it can be volatile. And there are things that you can't, as much as you project, as much as you run the numbers, as much due diligence as you do, you can't plan for a global pandemic. Like you, you know, you can't plan for that. And I think. And for us, especially because we're focused on, you know, buying essential businesses Mm -hmm. or properties that are leased by essential businesses, that's helping to offset, you know, people's concerns and our own concerns about an economic downturn or another COVID or something like that. So in the beginning, I was not that excited about it. But honestly, now it's like my pet project and I'm kind of obsessed with it and I, you're the cost seg king. Like I want to be the net lease queen. That's That's what I want to (laughs) do. That's so cool. That's awesome. And it's, it's amazing to see, right? Unless you really dig deep into it, 
you don't really know. I mean, you're talking about the types of properties you're talking about. Net lease obviously is a huge industry, and it can you know encapsulate a lot of things. I think what you're what you and correct me if I'm wrong. You've dealt with like family dollar, dollar general type properties, yeah. where they're very reliable. You have corporate leases where they're guaranteeing the lease. They're guaranteeing to not only pay the like you said the insurance, the ta- property taxes, but they're also guaranteeing to pay you the rent, even if you know, for whatever reason, they're not, you know, making money, which they are, but even if they like decide they're going to leave, they're still going to pay you, which is crazy. Exactly. Exactly. And for us also being still newer in, you know, the syndication space, we were having a lot of conversations with our network and, you know, and with our growing network about what syndication is to begin with. And I think, you know, a big barrier to entry is education for sure Mm -hmm. and awareness for sure. But it's also the level of risk, right? People don't feel comfortable taking a big chunk of money and trusting somebody else to just do what they say they're going to do with it. So I think to your point that you just made about corporate guaranteed leases, when we explain to people that it's, you know, family dollar is, unless they go out of business for some reason, like they're paying the lease, but even if they shut down that location, they're still going to pay us our rent. It's pretty awesome. So that, that was another reason why we felt like it was a good idea is because we felt the need in our network for something that was more steady and reliable cash flow, a little bit lower of a risk profile. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's awesome, and it's not too common. I mean, I remember when Kenny, you know, started his fund like years. Actually, he started before I knew him, but I remember when we spoke about it the first time, and it was just like fascinating. I, I thought he was like focused on multifamily. He was a multifamily guy, but on the side, he had this whole other business, and it was raking in you know, tons of money. Mm-hmm. Granted, now with interest rates higher, with you know properties going up in value and things like that, there's less of a spread sometimes in terms of the actual cash flow, but it's still pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah. I mean, you could make that argument for any asset class really. Right. And that's another reason really why we started to look to the net lease spaces because the value add multifamily deals and the returns that we were used to seeing, you know, especially on a cash on cash, you know, cash flow basis that investors were used to, they're just not there anymore, right? Because you're buying properties at way higher purchase prices, plus the interest rates are way higher, plus the cost of building and doing renovations and labor, everything is increased. So obviously, you know, that's going to impact where the return is. So if the returns that we're looking at in the multifamily space, which are quote unquote more risky with a value add component right. and renovation, are pretty similar to what we're seeing in this corporate guaranteed net lease space. We were just like, I don't know. I feel like it's a no brainer, especially if we're going into a recession in a recession, inflation is out of control. We just felt like it was easy to make the transition right now for that. But for sure, you're a hundred percent right. Like I look at a ton of deals and it's like anything else. It's like, you're looking for a needle in a haystack. You need to have a million conversations. There are great deals to be had out there. You do Mm -hmm. need to get creative. You know, our fourth property that we bought, we hadn't bought any net lease properties until last year. And the fourth property that we bought, we actually closed on it in January of 2023, but it is a veterinary clinic and that's a corporate veterinary clinic. Okay. 
he negotiated a seller financing deal on it. That's awesome. So, you know, there are deals, like I said, there are deals to be had out there. You might need to get creative with your financing like we did on that deal. That's going to be our best cash flowing deal. (laughs) So, yeah. That's really amazing. And that type of property just, it jumped out at me because right now, I mean, if you look around the country, anything dealing with pets or animals really have really, it's a very popular industry extremely Mm -hmm. growing industry. Obviously, as you see so many people having more and more pets and caring more about their pets, you know, than ever before in the US. It's pretty fascinating. I I saw this actually years ago. I started a a small business years ago about, you know, around pets. When I saw this phenomenon, this was like, you know, eight or nine years ago. And I was just like, wow, it didn't end up panning out. I wasn't really passionate about it enough, but I still see, I'm like, wow, had I started that and really gone with it, it probably would have been been huge at this point. But I love that it's a you know veterinary clinic. You're able to get the seller financing. It's an, a little bit of an out-of-the-box deal from something someone who's you know trying to do a you know a burr strategy a few years ago. But in the end of the day, it's a business that makes sense. And real estate is really, I mean, in the end of the day, it's yeah, you look at it, is it like a retail, you know, thing? Is it a net lease? It's a hospital, right? But it's real estate in the end of the day. And there's so many different areas of real estate that will open up to you if you just go looking for it. Totally, 100%. And, you know, we, similar to you and similar to many, many people across the globe, we adopted our dog during COVID, right? Mm. So, so the percentage of people who, you know, adopted pets during COVID went up significantly. I know that you know, I still brought my dog to the vet during COVID. It wasn't shut down. I wasn't going inside, but I was still bringing my dog to get care there. Mm -hmm. And so it's funny, even when we talk to people about like what our target tenants are, that it seems like it's all over the place. But the thing that it has in common is that it's still a service or a business that is necessary for, you know, in people's everyday lives or animals (laughs) everyday lives. Yeah. It's that's exactly right. I mean, it's a, and obviously a lot of these things are you know location specific, but they are definitely necessary for the area. So I love that. I really am curious because you do have this kind of background in marketing and advertising. If there's any things specifically, and I'm sure there are many things, but there's like one thing that jumps out at you that you've really like been able to use from that previous career, uh, whether it's a skill or I don't even know if there's something that you feel like is like, yeah, because I had that background is really helping me now in real estate. Yeah. So I think I would maybe put this more into the sales bucket than into the marketing bucket, but they're obviously very closely related. It's definitely the way that I care about people and the attention that I pay to people and the time that I give to people. That is, you know, I was in a client facing business in my corporate career and handling multi-million dollar advertising programs, you know, for some really large brands and people want good customer service, good client relations. They want somebody who's responsive. They want somebody and this, okay, this is related to marketing. Also, they want people who are genuine. Mm -hmm. They want people who are trustworthy. They want somebody that they can connect with and, I think that being relatable is really important. So yeah. storytelling is really important. Like me sharing my story of how I didn't know about syndication 
you know, I went to a meetup and I just by chance met these guys right. and you know, got to know them. And then I invested as an LP, like that helps me raise capital from new people because I've been in their position. Right. And I can talk to them about their fears and, you know, help them kind of feel the fear and do it anyway. Like I posted this on LinkedIn the other day. It's, you know, anytime you're doing something that's different, you know, or new or, Anytime you're investing in anything, whether it's investing in yourself or investing to make money, there's a level of risk that's associated with it, right? And people have a fear of failure. And I think that it's normal to acknowledge that and feel it and move through it. But yeah, I think the thing that really helps Danny and I stand out is our personality and the way that we care for, you know, for, for our network and, and for our community. That's awesome. I love that. And you really, I mean, that's something that carry really in any industry is important, but especially when you're dealing with investor relations, we're dealing with people face to face and integrity cannot be faked and it cannot be disguised as something else because people see right through it. If not at first over time, certainly. And so the fact that you have that will certainly carry you to very high places. And I love the fact that you've you chose that thing because that's actually what I was thinking when I asked the question. And I was like thinking like, that's a skill I know translates from someone who's successful in a, you know, a marketing or sales career, not successful in the monetary level per se, yeah. because you know anyone can make money <laughs> in sales, right. but to do it right and to do it with that, you know, those good values. Yeah, exactly. Listen, like I, I want to be able to sleep at night. I want to feel good. <laughs> I want to feel good about what I'm doing when I put my head down on the pillow, you know, yeah. and I left a high stress job for different reasons. I would definitely say like, I'm still in a high stress situation. And when you asked me before, like, am I glad that I'm doing it? It's like, I realize now what I'm doing and it's kind of crazy. Like it kind of just evolved into this thing that I didn't even intend for it to be. But I take the responsibility of handling other people's money very seriously. Like, you know, it's not just my money. Like that first house, I lost, you know, blood, sweat and tears. I lost sleep over it. I could have lost all of my savings, but that's different than the level of responsibility that you have when you're, you know, handling other people's money too. So, so yeah, I make sure that I'm as transparent as possible. Danny and I have been known to have two hour long, you know, zoom conversations with people, you know, just being available to answer any of their questions and really make them feel as comfortable as possible. Yeah. Well, that's not so common and that's great to hear. Love that. I'm sure part of it is that we're still new and we have the time to do that. Right? Like I'm sure if everybody could, they, well, no, not if everybody could, they would, but I'm right. sure that more people would if they could too. Right. I was thinking like, you know, as you scale, it may be more difficult to do that. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. But I think that it's something that we value so highly that we are going to make that a priority no matter what. And we are definitely going to train whoever might be on the front lines, mm-hmm. um, having those conversations like what our expectations are and what our values are and, and really make sure that we invest in great people to help us grow. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, time has flown as predicted. So I'm going to transition out. We call the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. Christine, for you, the first question is, what is the worst job that you ever had? Okay. So when I graduated from college, I got a job working for a recruiting company. And I hated it because I made commission based off of getting the person who were replacing the job to accept a lower salary. So I made the difference. The employer was 
I'll use an example. If the employer was willing to pay $100 and I got the employee to agree to $50, I made my commission on that difference. Wow. I quit that job after three weeks because to our point, talking about integrity and morals and ethics, I was like, I don't feel good about this. I would feel much better if this was a structure where I got paid a percentage of their income right. <laughs> because then we're both incentivized to get them as much money as possible. Right. For sure. Wow. That's, I, you know, I knew things like that existed, but you know, hearing that firsthand, it's just, it's horrible. Horrible, horrible. And the day that I quit though, it was to go to the Yankees world series parade in 2009. So it was a great day to walk away from that job <laughs> and go to the parade. <laughs> See ya. I'll take the parade. All right. So second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? I know that it's like super cliche, but it's definitely rich dad, poor dad. And I think I just relate to it so much as so many people do, because growing up, I just, I wasn't really taught about money or taught to think about money in the way that I do now. And I have conversations with people every day about using leverage and how you can use leverage to build your wealth quicker. And I feel like when I was growing up, I was taught to pay down my mortgage as quickly as possible, like, you know, have as little debt as possible. Right. <laughs> and I am obviously in a position now where that is not the case. <laughs> you know, we have a mortgage for every one of our properties. I'm going to continue to do so until the end of time. I will refi it. I will take HELOCs. I will have lines of credit. Like I'm all about using other people's money to make more money. 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's one of the one of the most fundamental things about real estate and how you make money in real how people make money in real estate more than, you know, most other types of asset classes or businesses. And so that's, it's just crazy that the world doesn't know about that or mm -hmm. didn't until Rich Dad Poor Dad made it kind of conversational. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? And this could be anything. I'm going to answer two things. So one is as it relates to business and life is I think it's something that most people need to work on, me included. I need to be more patient. I need to work on my patience. I am so passionate. I am so eager. I am so excited. I am high energy. I am, you know, very detail oriented, <laughs> very action oriented. But I know that for the longevity that I need in order to not burn out in life and, mm -hmm. and in business, that, you know, you need to take a deep breath, you know, and just be a little bit patient, some be a little bit patient sometimes and let things work themselves out. And on the fun side of things, I would say, I want to learn to play piano. It's something that I tried when I was in high school, but I didn't follow through with. I didn't really connect with the teacher that I had, but I love music very much and connect to it a lot. And I think that that's something that would be fun to explore again one day. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, first of all, both of those are awesome ideas, you know, or things to work on and to learn because the, like you said, patience is something everyone needs to work on and to learn better at. And the music thing is also, it's a very common answer, surprisingly, is people love music and people love to, would love to learn how to play music instead of, you know, to experience it because it is something that is experiential. So awesome answers. We're going to move to the fourth and final question, which is what does success mean to you? Okay. To me, I think it's similar to what true wealth means to me, which is really time freedom. You know, I think when I achieve that and 
I'm on my path to doing that through building more passive income so I can choose what I can do with my time. I can choose the projects that I want to work on. You know, I think that that will really be what success looks like to me when I'm doing something just because I want to, like not because I have to. That's an awesome definition. And that's really what it's all about. So, I mean, good to hear and, you know, wish you lots of continued success with that line of thinking. That's the way to go. That's it. Thank you. Love it. And finally, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Yeah. So I'm usually really active on social media. You can follow us at The Bellish Team on Instagram, on Facebook. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Christine Bellish and our website, www.thebellishteam.com. There you go. We'll make sure to put that all that in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again for your time. It's really been great catching up and awesome to, to hear about what you've been, you know, what you've been through and what you're working on going forward. So thank you again. Thank you, Yona, for having me. It was so fun. And to our listeners, you guys are awesome for listening all the way to the end once again. And remember, until next time, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.